Right. Well, Wait, let me start recording. You know, do that again. I don't get it. Bam. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. No, we both Welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about performances in Edmonton. I'm Fonda. And I'm Paul. And we are proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered, powered by, by ATB. Um, Power. Powered. Yes. Feeling it. Yeah. Um, great, Fonda. We saw a couple things we want to talk about. We did. It was a busy week, I guess. Hey? Yeah. That, that cusp of October into November led us through both Halloweenish things and uh, and less Halloweenish things. And other things, yes. Well, let's start with the Halloweenish thing. Yes. Um, so we saw The Bone House. Yeah, well, kind of like its own sort of a, a little bit of a legend. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I I have a weird uh, connection, non disconnection from this play, where um, it's it's a Marty Chan play. It's a locally a local playwright's uh, work. That's sort of this legend on being uh, a legitimately scary uh, live experience. Uh, and for me, it was scary <laughs> because uh, the last time I can remember it being performed here, which was in about two thousand nine. Uh, I didn't get to see it because on my way to see it, I got mugged. <gasps> oh, <laughs> um, what? Didn't get hurt, uh, but uh, just because of that, did not end up seeing it. So it's occupied this weird niche in my my mind for so long that I was happy to actually see it. Oh, good gosh. Um, well, I mean, for me, also growing up as a theater kid in Edmonton, mm. um, the Bone House was this sort of kind of like cult hit yeah. that um you know as as theater kids it was one of the first really immersive theater experiences that i think that um, started coming out um, to be, you know, and it, and it was it was scary. Yeah. It wasn't a haunted house, no. and it wasn't, um, you know, kind of like an immersive sort of like yes, you're going through different places and things. In the audience, though, you're 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 sat and you're watching a lecture. Yeah. Um, by you know some sort of uh, he's he's an investigator psychologist type Eugene Crowley. Uh, Eugene Crowley played I think in this in this uh take. So I did see. I have to disclose that I did see it when I was a teenager. Sure, yeah. (laughs) So I knew what was going to happen. Sure, great. And I think that that's kind of um, a crux of... Uh, how you experience this show. If you know what's going to happen um, by the end of the show, it's a very different show for you. Sure. But let's uh, let's backtrack a bit. What What is this? So we're, we're at this night with a with a psychologist who's giving this talk called Inside the Mind of a Killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, it, what's it sort of about? What do we what do we see? What's the arc of this night? So you kind of feel like you're in a little bit of a, you know, kind of <laughs> I don't want to say like a Netflix Mind of a Murderer sort of mm-hmm. documentary but you are a attending a lecture by this uh, investigator, Eugene Crowley, I think played um, played really, really well by Lou Wetherell in, mm-hmm. in, in this in this uh, production. And uh, so the the investigator kind of takes you through the mind of a killer, of a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you know, you are looking at um, sort of, I don't know, classic is not the right word to use, but like, like the very, very storied serial serial killers that we all have heard right. of. Right, and so it starts a little more broadly. It talks a bit about serial killers in general, but then he starts to fixate on one uh, who he's dubbed the Midnight Cowboy. The Midnight Cowboy. 
right. after the the Nielsen song, mm-hmm. uh, which which factors in and sort of why he gets that name is is he was whistling it in a a video clip that they don't see him but they hear him in 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 committing his crimes. Mm-hmm. I love the use of the lead motif, like that just that song, like the like the whistling, you know, mm-hmm. to just like call that melody up. Right. Um, it's always creepy. They use it in M is for Murder. It's a classic, you know, yeah. like very well used trope. Um, but and 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 realistically, I wanted to I wanted to go into this play thinking like how well does this script carry over? Sure, because you've seen it before. You experienced it uh, when it was sort of fresher. <clears throat> like 20 years ago. Sure, great. <laughs> um, and I never have. So I guess maybe to start off, um, as someone who has seen it before, what did you notice about this production and that idea of like how the script has aged? Well, it was kind of interesting when I found out the venue for one, the Varscona Hotel. Yes. It's in like one of their ballrooms. Yeah, um, just and, like a talk like this would be. Yeah, like you kind of just like need a hotel conference room mm-hmm. because you need to be able to walk all the way around. You need to get kind of people out of that comfort zone where they're sitting in a theater chair and they think that no one can be sitting behind or walking around them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, it, of course, in this one, yes, people were able to get up, and the and the cast members actually did force audience members not physically force, but they did ask audience members to move around in right. their seats. I had to move. Yeah, yeah. And like, and then uh, women were separated from men in the audience, mm-hmm. you know. And and then those were sorts of things that I kind of thought I was like, I wonder how they're going to do this, you know, like with a uh, with a lot of um, not only the Me Too movement and and a number of things because there are moments in the play when um, the, for example, they're interviewing uh, um, a female witness. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put her under hypnotism um, and, and, sort and of walk her through this traumatic night where yeah, they, she encountered the midnight cowboy. Yeah, they walk her through a traumatic experience, watching women experience trauma on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like sort of. I'm. I was curious at what sort of care, how it might be a little bit different. And to be honest, there wasn't a lot of difference in how the production um, kind of followed through. Sure, yeah. Um, but, but it was... I, I, I will say that the performances were all very solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I was there every minute. I, was, I believed it all. You know, I kind of was buying in. Um, and, the, and the hypnotism moment, I think that in certain ways it didn't disturb me as much um, as I did, as did when I was younger, maybe because I did know what was sort of happening. Sure. Um, but at the same time it did, it was, I was very curious as to how they were going to kind of pull it off because I knew that it is a hard squirmy moment to sit through for an audience member. Yeah. And I think, um, as someone who's never seen it before, um, and not sort of knowing what's coming, it's sort of interesting to watch that moment because they're sort of, they're doing this to try and get uh this person who's gone through this traumatic thing to recall a face or like a detail or to try and get a little more out of them mm-hmm. and this, in the context of this evening with a psychologist it feels like a little gaudy it's sort of like this guy's <laughs> really trying to like toot his own horn because he like knows midnight cowboy and he wants to understand yeah he's just like this very egotistical mm. cocky investigator right, right? And, I, and i think yeah. at that point in the play um because it does this really interesting thing in the script where it's sort of like it points you towards after a while you start to think you know what the the twist or what the end is going to be and what the what the reveal and how this is going to feel like dangerous for us in the audience is um, and it sort of follows through on that, but then twists it again. But sort of on route to that with this hypnotism thing, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm starting to dislike this person who I'm now starting to distrust. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's effective in that because it distances us from that that main character who up until that point has tried to be like connecting with us and bringing us in and making us feel safe about about exploring the mind of a killer and that and then you're starting to be like wait are you yeah are you what? are you are you're starting to seem abusive yeah, like this yeah, is yeah, like yeah. you're you're like you start to see the manipulation mm-hmm. and you realize that you are also of course being manipulated the entire time right so as someone who had not seen the mm-hmm. show before uh, I want to like how did you feel being asked to move around how did you feel about um how it all kind of played out sure and I felt like uh, in those to start uh, it being moved moved around felt a little discombobulating uh in that sense of like oh now i'm not by fonda my friend now i'm by a stranger um and that's fine it's not like i moved to the other side of the room but it's just those little things that start to add up in this production and the way it's structured and scripted that uh make it really effective like Mm -hmm. even even for that um just being like right okay now i'm a little further away and i'm a little more isolated as Mm -hmm. as an audience member and but now I'm also being asked to do these things. So what else are they gonna ask of me or or do around me or to me? There's a jump scare early on when someone's wearing like the scream mask. You <laughs> yeah, know? It's a pretty good jump scare yeah, right yeah. off the top. And just like yeah. a, a classic jump scare, and then uh, the reveal, blomp blomp. <laughs> um, but and then um, as it goes on, they start to twist that and start to play with that a little bit more. And, and these things that you thought you knew where it was going and that you you thought you knew the arc of this. It's like, oh, we're mm-hmm. not we're not done. And you think you think the point's been made where it's sort of like these serial killers um, exist and 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 do do this in part, depending on them, too, because, you know, because they know we're watching and they know we're fascinated with this mind mm-hmm. and this sort of mind. And, and that's one of the things that like we do. And then there it sort of feels like it would almost be. Uh, if it had ended ten minutes sooner, it would be like, ah, oh, that's that's good, but kind of moralizing where it's like, you're they do this because you're watching, you know, and they they know you're fascinated, but then yeah. it sort of twists that as well. Mm-hmm. It sort of makes comment on itself where it's like, oh, okay, we have sort of like uh, what feels like, oh, I'm trying to talk around not giving it away because it's it'll get produced. I feel like. Every couple of years, every ten forever. years, they they bring their production back, and I think that there's there's a fairly you know there's a group of people who know what happens, like yeah. who get it, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then there and then there are people who are just kind of like, no, I gotta go to this because I've right, you know because I've heard this this yeah. legend of this play, and so but and the, and then they and they hark back to a lot of the things that happened early on. They're like, um, you know, in those in those last ten minutes, not to say exactly mm-hmm. what happens, but you know, like when your cell phone got taken away at the very beginning of the right. show, yeah. they note back to that and they'd be like, you gave us your cell phone. Right. You put, you made yourself vulnerable. Right. In chasing <laughs> this thrill, you've sort of put yourself in this situation and started to, mm-hmm. and not reacted because you think you're an audience watching a show. Yeah. yeah so it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's an excellent script and it seems to hold up for me, um, having not seen it before in that all of those tricks still work. They aren't dated. Mm-hmm. They feel still effective. Yeah, and there's a really effective moment in the first five or six minutes of the show where, um, you know, he, uh, the Eugene Crowley, he throws up these images of serial killers like mm-hmm. John Wayne Gacy and um, Robert Picton, mm-hmm. um, and which I was kind of actually surprised that they used because we've kind of started trying to go away from mentioning serial killers names sure, yeah. in the media mm-hmm. um 
but then he also shows um, uh, in, in parallel format um, pictures of the victims of the um, arresting officers and their names yeah. yeah and their and their names and he says you don't know any of these other people yeah. you only remember the names of the killers right so think about that right um, and it's kind of like an interest it is an interesting way to sit with it during the show yeah and I think uh, I think it's uh, a lot of the points it makes sort of harken back to that and that idea of like there are these parts of of horror and true crime that we we hearken to, and true crime is sort of going is has is popular as always has always been popular, but it seems there's a lot of podcasts. True crime podcasts are a thing that are very popular. Totally, today. yeah. Serial and making a murderer on yeah, Netflix, yeah, yeah, or my yeah. favorite murder and mm-hmm. or my favorite murder, all those. So so it's it's sort of this perpetual fascination and so i think that's why this still seems to hold up is it sort of calls us on that in Mm -hmm. a bunch of different ways yeah like Um, way to go marty chan like 20 years ago yeah way to calling this (laughs) yeah and it's still prevalent and that's why i think it's still effective and Mm -hmm. i think um yeah the structure we have uh uh the person who comes in for for hypnosis we have our, our talker we have his sort of uh uh, assistant um mm-hmm. we have the person who's sort of hosting this talk who intros it um and yeah it just sort of all works together in a really uh, effective package where that last 10 minutes um are just creepy enough just mm-hmm. horrific enough that you sort of like you're like oh my god right i did put myself in this situation and, yeah yeah and mm-hmm. i have i don't even though i know i'm safe i also don't feel safe in the way that I would if I was just watching a scary play. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so that's really effective, the way it sort of breaks down that barrier between audience and, and show in its final final bit. Yeah. So, you know, knowing that you missed the show so long ago, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> through, through like, you know, tr- just some traumatic not circumstances. A, not a great time in my life, certainly. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, did, did it live up to the hype for you? I think um, I was impressed that it was still effective, that it didn't feel dated. So I would say yes. I would say that um, this there's something in this script the because these fixations are still so real and still so prevalent uh, and probably always will be, um, or at least seem to be uh, ongoing, uh, it seems that because the script itself will remain that effective because it doesn't rely on things that are dated to do so. It just looks us in the eye and sort of calls our bluff on on being like, oh, it's scary, but we want to get close, but stay distant. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, if you get close, we're going to remove that distance a little yeah. bit. Except we just keep... turn the lights off and it all happens in the dark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just effective. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then so in, in, in that way, I mean, um, watching it now as, a, as someone in their mid 30s, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, like being a, a high school, a cool teen. A high, a high school theater school kid, just be like, wow. Um, it was uh, like, wow. You yeah. know, like it's still actually kind of without without any of like the really, really big theatrical tricks or anything either. Like they did this in a conference room. Yeah. 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 You know. And so so having seen it before, um, it was still effective, even though you sort of knew what was coming and how it was going to go. Even with that. Yeah. I, I think that um, the performances were strong and convincing. And I I, I really do think that the act the, the, the script does act does hold up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, well, that was, some, and that was our Halloween take on the, <laughs> on the bone house. Great work, everybody. Woo! Yeah, we, we survived. We made it. We did. We got out. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so now, um, I think with that, we're going to bring you into our first ad. 
This episode of I Don't Get It is brought to you by the Well Endowed Podcast. On the most recent episode, Lewis Cardinal sits down to chat about his family's long history of treaty building in Canada and how he and his children are continuing that legacy of relationship building. You can catch Lewis on November 16th as part of Norquest College's Circle of Knowledge Indigenous Speaker Series. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation and is a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Check it out at thewellendowedpodcast.com and be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Great. So that wasn't the only thing we saw, Fonda. No. Um, we also saw uh, Ballet Edmonton's, uh, in some ways, inaugural voyage under that name, yes. formerly City Ballet, and also the first show they've done with their their new artistic director Wenwei Wang the highly the highly anticipated debut of ballet edmonton under a new name with of course Wenwei Wang yeah. um so paul you've seen a couple of uh Ballet Edmonton uh, under City Ballet performances before? I or have no? Not. no? No. All right. Well, can I get your first impressions on? Um, I was well. So the the show is broken into two acts. Yes. Uh, the the overall program is called Where We Are, and it's broken into two shows uh, or two works, I guess. One called X Body, which was choreographed by Wenwei Wang. And then uh, Last Words, which was uh, Wenwei Wang in collaboration with, with the dancers, uh, the company dancers. Mm-hmm. And so the first one uh, felt more, felt to me, uh, so here was the, the interesting thing with Wenwei Wang is lots of having, I've never seen one of his works, but I'm very aware of him sort of in the, in the, uh, in the context of sort of contemporary dance mm-hmm. and, and the movement he's done. He's become... You know, Brian Webb has brought him in many times. He's doing a show as part of the Brian Webb season later on. And um, uh, and with Alberta Ballet as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So busy, busy fellow. <laughs> busy fellow around. Um, so yeah, so it was an interesting... Uh, the first part of the program, X-Body to me, felt like uh, a conversation about... Uh, it felt like the choreographer meeting his dancers for the first time and s- both sides sort of figuring each other out. Mm. I mean, even the name X-Body, it sort of sounds like a variable to be filled in. It sort of sounds like an experiment. It feels like a, a conversation in progress where we have a choreographer and, and we have these dancers. Even the setting sort of felt like, um, had the vibes of a rehearsal hall, like a sort of uh, an LED light, um, but sort of in the way that it almost looked like fluorescent lights that you might have in a rehearsal studio for dancers. Yeah, yeah, sort of bare stage, like you could mm-hmm. almost see like there's a bar. Right, yeah, know, a, like, white, a white yeah. stage mm-hmm. as well, just like very, very neutral. And then sort of this like choreographed um, to a beat, like precise almost, almost like it was like time trials and just like we were doing movements on a beat to this elect chronic score mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i did feel a little bit like i i couldn't I, I had a hard time getting into the score for the first okay. part um it was uh you know it it, it it was uh it was it was abstract and it was very contemporary sounding mm-hmm. um and but i don't know that it really lent to the dancers uh like I didn't feel a lot of emotion or a lot of sort of like gravitas coming from them. There was there was you know just sort of just kind of like um, it seemed very clinical and maybe this piece was supposed to feel like mm. that. Um, but I didn't. 
I di- I didn't you know kind of like buy in sure. in the same way that I would, um you know to a, to another piece uh, watching watching yeah. dancers who I felt like were like really into it. Sure, and I felt it to me it felt very exploratory in the sense of even the movement we were seeing on those sort of beats, uh, based on the dancer sort of groupings of dancers, which was sometimes twos, sometimes threes. Uh, it felt like exploring gestures in ballet, like mm. everyone would sort of have their move or moment and then it would sort of unpack in this very contemporary way but people would keep coming back to this gesture or this moment or this ballet move and then would sort of work work through it in their duos or, or pairs or, or trios um, to sort of feel that out and so yeah I, I i feel similarly it felt exploratory it felt like almost like unpacking what are these movements and sort of what is the the range of them or what happens when we do this? Where does that take the rest of the body in a more contemporary fashion? Yeah, I feel like the I, I like I like the term exploratory for this because it it did seem like um like there was there was some trying to of getting to know mm-hmm. uh you know like what is this person strong with what do they how do they move what's their what's their sort of like niche mm-hmm. you know and and what's I mean, I've seen a number of Wenwei Wang's pieces before, and the dancers that he works with are like highly personalized. Like they're they have personality, they have like the charisma, um, and you know, I'm 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 curious as to see like what it will look like with this company moving forward. How his work kind of like evolves. Right. Yeah. It felt like. A- choreographer meets dancers and both are feeling each other out that was my my sort of takeaway from this was Mm -hmm. like yeah this is your this is your first dance together and it's like we're unpacking these movements and yeah so it'll be interesting to see how that relationship between choreographer and company uh grows and explores as they get more comfortable with each other and sort of push each other in different ways Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I, i i i would agree i think that i think that the um evolution of where they have to go from here um with someone of Wenwei Wang's talents mm-hmm. is is um it can it can only get like I hope really incredible. Mm-hmm. Um now I I felt very differently about the second half. Sure. I'll say. Um and I think that it was um Number one, the music was was really really beautiful. Pierre, uh, Peter Gregson's court, Peter Gregson quartet was just a string quartet. Mm-hmm. Um, the music was f- wonderful. Sure. Um, and what was the what was the context on it for for this piece called Last Words? Yeah, the context was um, a much more uh, personal tribute to um, the their uh, board chair Trudy Callahan. Her partner Orville Chubb passed away very suddenly. He was the publisher of Avenue Magazine, Mm -hmm. as we've mentioned on this podcast before. Um, And he he passed away very suddenly earlier this year. And so this uh, piece called Last Words was Mm -hmm. done in tribute to him. Uh, And it was, uh, you know, sort of like kind of um, um, a movement and literal interpretation about uh, not only last words, but also of like, you know, um, grief and and moving on yeah. and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah, and was also sort of is credited as uh, the choreography is both one way and a collaboration with the company dancers. with the dancers. Yeah, yeah. so more sort mm-hmm. of. Um, more of a conversation, I guess, in in that sense, um, right from the get go. Um, yeah, for me, uh, yeah, it felt like partly because that was very much the context and sort of the pre-show uh, um, sort of introduction to everything. That context was given. 
And so I think with that in mind, you're, you know how charged up that is for, for people who knew this person. Mm. And, and to see that is something that's sort of percolating in your mind as you're watching this, this movement, which was sort of uh, very different in style to X-Body, the first half, which was more like on a beat and rhythmic and set to this electronic score and exploring gestures. This was more of a, oh, yeah, we're, we're going through this idea. We're looking through this idea of grief and passing and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And I think that the style and um, choreography in this in the second half, this piece was also a lot more to the core dancers strengths sure um they they really did and maybe because they did have a very sort of like like direct connection to their context mm-hmm. that they were working in um it was uh it, it was much more emotional it was hard not to see it as like a very charged um piece and 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 you know i, th- I think they did it quite well mm-hmm. i was i was a lot more impressed with the um uh, the performances in the second half, I felt that like their the actual drama and theatricality came through a lot more. Sure, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it, I mean, you know, even for, but for myself, knowing you know who Orville was, um, and that kind of thing, like it just it it, it I I felt more attached to it sure, as well. Of course, yeah. So yeah, you can... in a very simple way, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> knowing it's about this person who was you know a part of your life in some capacity, you know, mm-hmm. as a person you knew, that of course sort of fuels that and feeds into that mm-hmm. um, in a in a very affecting way. Yeah. To me, um, yeah. The the movement that stands out is sort of very near the the end of the piece, um, and it's sort of like this thing has happened. We've sort of explored in a lot of ways. There's this moment where a dancer is aligned on the stage, and we see like spotlights walking away from them sort Mm. of with no one in them sort of this movement of spirit maybe and then um there's sort of this like coda to it which is these two dancers uh for the most part um trying to go through this like this sequence or this routine and uh part of the body isn't cooperating like in for one of the dancers the legs sort of um, aren't there and they're moving them with their arms and the other person's sort of helping them and then we sort of find rhythms in that and then it falls apart again and that sort of felt like those sort of waves of of grief or sort of under you know the aftermath of this thing where it's always you're always going to be affected by it um and it will come and go in waves but it's sort of this like this sequence of like right we're we're different now something's changed and i don't know that that felt especially with that context given on this piece that as a movement sort of sequence was very poignant for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like you can kind of see, you can see it either as sort of like a death and a departure, mm-hmm. but also just sort of like a moving on from grief um, yeah. and just like how to how to continue. Yeah, the program mm-hmm. sort of refers to this piece as sort of like a, a lovely narrative on the, the pain of saying goodbye and finding comfort in community. And I think both of those ideas really um, root in, in that last sequence, at least from sort of the audience with that, with that context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, with, with this, with this opening of their season um, and it was at the Trifo theater mm-hmm. at Allard hall mm-hmm. um, Al, uh, ballet Edmonton now has their, this new home, a new company, new artistic director. Yeah. Um, it'll be very interesting to see um, how the company grows uh, from here on. Yeah. I think. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That brings us to another ad. Our next ad. This episode of I Don't Get It is brought to you by We Are Alberta, a podcast by ATB. Every month, join host and ATB economist Nick Ford as he explores Alberta's geography, its businesses, organizations, and its diverse and fascinating people, all viewed through an economic lens. 
Episode 2 features an interview with Ian Wilson from Iron and Earth, a company led by oil sand workers committed to incorporating more renewable projects into the energy sector. To learn more, visit atb.com. Iron and Earth, that sounds almost like fire and flower. Almost. <laughs> um, legal weed. Uh, but it was also an insert in the Alberta or the Edmund, the Ballet Edmonton program. Well, it'll be interesting to see how um, the new cannabis uh, legalization and culture uh, infiltrates the art sector because right. I really hope that you know Aurora and Fire and Flower and all those people kind of step up like Demarier did yeah. back in the nineties yeah. and Big like Green, where are you at? And and supported all of the arts economy that happened in Quebec for like you know two decades. Right. So- <laughs> yeah. So so we'll see we'll see what comes of that on a totally uh, non sequitur but very aware um, side note. Completely completely different side note. Um, well, that's, that's all we've really got for the episode, Paul. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, it was a great Halloween. It's November now. It's It's snowing. Snowing. It is miserable. (laughs) But you know, what do you do? Yeah. Bless this mess. Go see some shows. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blinoff. Sit here thinking, my love.